Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome to Encounter Grace. We're super glad you're with us. My name is Jason McKnight, and I'm here with Ben Hendricks. Ben, how are you today? I'm doing well. Hey, everybody. You're looking good today, especially for those who are listening. Uh, so a few weeks ago, you came into the office after a house church on a Wednesday night, a time with a small group, and you um, said something about, hey, haven't we done a podcast episode on the Trinity, on how to understand what God is, one person, or one being, three persons? And I said, did we? Boy, that must have been great. <laughs> and in fact, we looked back and we have never, ever touched this topic, this, and I hate to say topic because it sounds like we're putting God under yeah. a microscope, but you guys at House Church one night got talking about that, and somebody looked over and said to you, you need to do that if you haven't, or didn't you already do that, or we need to learn about this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it just came up as we were studying the book of Colossians, and we had a couple of people kind of wrestling through, what is that, what, is, what can that mean? I mean, to... Uh, this thing was looking at how Jesus is in, like a part of us, and I mean, how does that work? And that mu- clear that must be talking about the Holy Spirit. And and I think as we were kind of discussing what I mean, this idea of, of what a podcast in the Trinity would look like, we just kind of started with this great. We just feel like there's a great need to mm-hmm. to kind of help bring some clarity to the Trinity because we often find, uh, I mean, I find myself, I find, and so many other people just in this place of we. We know it's this. We know it's something, but we don't quite know what to do with it. Right. And being able to navigate through that and be able to be confident in it, those are really important things. And, right. and we need to, one, we need to be able to have that as a resource to be able to look to the Trinity, to be able to kind of explain it, maybe to a non-believer, maybe just to a friend, <laughs> maybe to ourselves Mostly at the time. Just to us, yeah. <laughs> and we need, we, yeah, we need to be able to do something with it too, mm-hmm. because it is, in fact, a great resource and a great reminder of who God is and just of what He's done. Well, the doctrine of the Trinity is just amazing because God revealed Himself to the Jews in the Old Testament as one God in mm-hmm. in the middle of their pagan world where everyone was worshiping a God of this rock and that stone and that thunder. God said, "Forget that, all you people. I'm one." But then when Jesus came to earth and when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, he begins to reveal there's more to him than anyone knew. In fact, it's so much more, it blows all our categories away. But if we want to relate to God as he has revealed himself, we're going to get to discover who he is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. But it's a paradox, and it can only be entered by faith. Hmm. So a paradox is an apparent contradiction. <laughs> yeah. How can one be three? How can three be one? We'll, we'll talk about that. But it can only be entered by faith. What we're not doing is putting God under the microscope. But rather, what we're, our tool is not the microscope to dissect him. Our tool is the hymn book, hmm. as it were, to worship him. Sure. Now, it's a terrible analogy because no one has hymn books anymore. <laughs> but you get the idea. Our idea is to worship him. So here's how we're going to do it. Ben is going to do all the heavy lifting of uh, tracing all the way back to the church fathers and Augustine and helping us oh. understand how church history has framed this from Scripture, never anywhere else but from Scripture. Then I'm going to draw out some implications of what this means for who God is in our lives. And then both of us are going to give just a couple of takeaways at the end so that all of us can 
live a little more into God revealed in Trinity. So Ben, take it away. Absolutely. And I will say maybe at times you'll have to draw me out just a bit and bring some clarity if I, if I miss it a, a tad, but, uh, or just to add in. Because, yeah, when you're doing the, the quote-unquote heavy, heavy lifting, lifting of the Trinity, you might miss a couple of things, so don't let me do that. Uh, I think when we start talking about the Trinity, there are two, the two major ways that people have broken down the Trinity to help explain it the clearest and the best. And that's by looking at these two avenues. And the first is, this is a big word, uh-huh. the on, ontology. Whoa. So the ontological ar- argument or the, the ontological side of the Trinity. But ontology is really just a really big, fancy theological word that means being. Being, okay. Being, yep. And it's who God is, his actual being. And so the great church father, Augustine, did a lot of work on this. And he gave us seven very clear and helpful statements on the ontology of God, on the being of God. And that should help us all on understanding who the Trinity is. And they're this simple. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, and then last, there is one God. So we see that there are... It almost is like a haiku. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what he was trying to do. The Japanese Augustine. Yeah, he was was before his time or after their time either way (laughs) and so what augustine is doing here is he's breaking this down for us that of who god is he's looking at the attributes he's looking at the uh what we'll get to the economy but of the ontology the being of who god is that the father is god Mm -hmm. the son is god the holy spirit Mm -hmm. is god the foundation of the ontological argument so of the the ontology aspect the being aspect of the trinity is that all of them are equal they're all Mm -hmm. god we can't lose sight of that. And I'll mention that here at the end. Are you allowed to say they? Whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, they, yeah. it's very, yeah. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are God. Mm-hmm. But there's a distinction that the Father is not the Son. Mm-hmm. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Mm-hmm. So we have three, then three, and then the last one that buttons, that kind of the bow on top, the, there is one God. Mm. This is the being of the Trinity. This is who God is. He is the Father who is God, the Son who is God, the Holy Spirit who is God. They are not each other because there is one God. Mm. So that's who God is. That's the and they're being. all equally God. Yes. Like each of them is totally God. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we start getting into some weird heresies it, the second we, it, st- and that breaks down. And we'll, again, I'll, I'll end us somewhere mm-hmm, around there mm-hmm. of what all this w- does not mean. Ben usually God. ends us near heresy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, his, that's <laughs> his role. Uh, then, so there we have the, the onto- ontological side, the ontology, mm-hmm. the being side of the Trinity. And then on the other hand is the economy of God. So the function of God. So, this so is, I hear economy, I think money. Yeah. So I want to kind of offer this as thinking more of a household. Okay. So this is how God relates to the world. The economy, so economy in this time, like literally just meant the ordering of activity. So if you think of a household, Mm. like in the household, there's often each person in the house has a specific role. They have specific chores. They do have specific responsibilities. So is true with the Trinity. Mm. Now they're all God, right? There's not just one happens to be mom, one happens to be dad, and then the kids who are just less or whatever, right? Right. That's not what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But their roles are different. 
I'll give you a couple examples. Creation. God the Father spoke the words to bring the universe into existence. And it was God the Son, the Word of God, who carried out those creative decrees. And the Holy Spirit is found hovering over the waters, which uh, many believe was like a sustaining and manifestation of God's presence mm-hmm. there. The Spirit, yeah. I'll give you another. Redemption. Hmm. God the Father planned redemption and sent His Son into the world. God the Son obeyed the Father and accomplished redemption by laying down His life. And then God the Holy Spirit came to the world after Jesus' ascension to apply that redemption. All co-equal all different roles. So beautiful. Isn't that beautiful too? Unbelievable. <laughs> and so to kind of package this, like a takeaway of understanding this is that the, the un, there's an, un, uh, we'll make it confusing and then we'll uh, make it a little clearer. So the fancy way of saying this is ontological equity, but economic subordination. Oh, gulp. Good luck with that. But here's what that really means. They're equal in being, hmm. but subordinate in role. They're always equal. Just because one listens to the other and does what the Father, just because the Son does what the Father says doesn't mean that they're not equal. Mm -hmm. They are equal, but they're subordinate in role. Both parts is, are unbelievably necessary because without the, without ontological equity or equality, so without the being, the equality being, not all the persons are fully God. And without the economic subordination, we do not have three distinct persons. We just have one. Mm-hmm. With, we have to have both because they balance each other out because they're the reality of who God is. So that's who God is. That's his being and how that they work. That's how that they, uh, or that's their, uh, how they relate to the world. Yeah. And so here's, that, if that's who they are, what are they not? Hmm. This is maybe a different way and more helpful way for some. God is not divided into three equal parts. <laughs> He's not one singular being that we see three separate parts, three separate but equal right. parts, right? right. That's right. partialism. Okay. So partialism is bad. Yep. All right. It, the, the Trinity is also not personal distinctions that are just happen to be added on. Again, that mm. is just some being that we just toss on some distinctions. No, these distinctions, these persons are who God is. All right? Here's another. Each person of the Trinity is not a different way to look at the one being of God. This is modalism. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the way we hear this one is like the Trinity is like water with three different forms. Ice, water, vapor, so solid, liquid, gas, right? These are... This is saying, oh, it's this one thing, but there's three forms of it. No, that's modalism. That's wrong. And then lastly, the Trinity is neither, it's neither person of the Trinity is more God than either other. That's mm-hmm. Arianism. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of analogy that uh, some of us have often heard is, you know, the Trinity is like the sun where we have the star that's in, in the sky with, then it produces light and then heat, where the star is the main focus that produces the light and the heat. Does that right. make sense? Right. And so the idea here of Arianism is that the Father has created Christ and the Holy Spirit. But that's not what the Bible is telling us. And that's not the reality of who, who God is. Mm. That he, as, I mean, as the Athanasian Creed says, that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity. 
Mm. Neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. That's who the Trinity is. That's great. So for all eternity, God has existed in three distinct persons, one God, three distinct persons with, with distinct roles or distinct activities, which before creation, we can't conceive of too much mm. of how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interacted with each other. But in creation, as you've said, in redemption, as you've said, and I think we could keep looking all yep. the way through to new creation, how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have different roles or different activities uh, in, in this wonderful world and plan of salvation, but always the one God for all eternity. Okay, that's, that's really good. The beings, the ontology, the roles, activity, the economy, or the economic side of it. Uh, and it's helpful, because yep. I just think economy as, well, the dollars and the gross national product. It's not. <laughs> it, 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 oikonomios is the Greek word for household, like yep. you said, and it's just how, we, how something runs. Okay, well, let's talk some implications then. Let's take it one step out of uh, out of the head and into, not quite into, well, what does it mean for me tomorrow? But what does it mean implications for living generally? I want to give three. Number one is God is eternally relational. Hmm. Because he's always and eternally existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's eternally relational. There's never a time he's not in fellowship with another or in relationship with another because within himself he is three others <laughs> which is the paradox and the confusing thing but that just means what it means to be god means you're always thinking of another you're always enjoying another you're always in this love relationship eternally relation no, relational, <laughs> kindness, joy, energy, love. All these things are going on for all eternity. Mm. As we worship him, we created in his image, created in his image, meaning to a large degree, and it's more than this, but it's not less than this, we are relational. I mean, have you ever noticed how Harper, not yet six months, <laughs> is she? No. She already lights up when you smile at her yep. or someone smiles at her. Because she even lit up for me when I smiled at her. <laughs> if she'll do it for me, she'll That's do it for anyone. <laughs> it's exactly right. But you know, God has created Harper to be relational, to respond to the I'm glad to see you look mm. on the face looking at her. And she sees that face. And before she even thinks about it, her body, her mind interprets that face of, I mean something because someone's glad to see me. And then her body responds with a smile. All that is going on before she's thinking about anything. But all mm. that is part of how God has created us. Why? Because that's who he is. He's relational. Yep. He's actually wired our biology to be relational. So we can relate to him. We can linger with him and enjoy him and attend to him and belong to him and be a friend of his and be his family. He's my people. <laughs> like, like yeah. you know, it, this, is, this is us. Well, all those words we can use with reverence to think about God. So on the one hand, he's eternally relational. This actually opens up a lot more about who God is. And we'll get to that just in a little bit. Okay, two more things implications of one God in Trinity. Yes, he's eternally relational, so already he's warm. 
Secondly, and this we don't think of as much, but God is humble. God is humble. Now, we think of God as sovereign, supreme, majestic, holy, all these big words, overall transcendent words, but actually what it means, because we know there's one God and three persons, what it means is that he's making much of others. He's elevating others. What we see the record of Scripture is, and, you know, we, we see, as you've already pointed out, the Son submits to the Father's will. The Spirit consents to come, being sent by the Son and the Father, to dwell in us. The Spirit, everywhere on earth, is enhancing the glory of the Father and the Son. Think of Revelation 4 and 5. You don't see the Spirit in Revelation 4 and 5, but you see the Father and the Son being glorified by all the saints. The Father, at the end of all things, in turn centers everything on the Son. So all of the Godhead is humble, elevating someone else. <laughs> you know, humility isn't something God says, oh, you pee on humans, you better do. Humility is something we get to imitate in God. And that's really interesting. That actually, mm. that realization changed who God is for me, when I realized that he's a humble God, not just the humble God of Jesus coming to earth, and yeah, we all know that, Christmas in the manger, and then the yep. passion, but all those are true. But even on the day of resurrection, they thought he was the gardener. <laughs> I mean, I mean, some of his best friends, Mary Magdalene, thought he was the gardener. He let that happen, because hmm. he's humble. He's not always pushing his way for it. Okay, yep. God is humble, God is eternally relational, and then thirdly, God is love. And, and this kind of fall, follows from being relational. But always, for all of history, God has had someone to love. Father has loved the Son and the Spirit. Spirit has loved the Son and the Father. Son has loved Father and the Spirit. All of them have loved each other in this beautiful relationship, this perichoresis, you know, this dancing around each other. And C.S. Lewis has a really good point. When he says all sorts of people, I think this is in mere Christianity, he says all sorts of people are fond of repeating the Christian statement that God is love. But they seem not to notice that the words God is love have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Because love is something that one person has for another person. And if God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. He didn't have anyone to love. But because he's not a unitary God, he's a God in Trinity, for all eternity, he's existed in a love relationship. I think this is beautiful. It is, absolutely. I think this is amazing. So eternally relational, he's humble, he's love. All of these are because he's one God in Trinity. All of these cannot happen if he was not one God in Trinity. Hmm. I think it's great. Okay, let's do some takeaways. Let's think through, Ben, for you and for me, what can this mean in our daily lives? Let me give the first one. Yeah. Uh, I, I think get to know God in all three of his persons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe we only think of God as this big thing up there, this big, this big God up there we have to worship and we're a little nervous about. What if you broke it down to how can I get to know the Holy Spirit better? Hmm. How can I get to know my Father better? How can I get to know my Savior better, yeah. the Son? And, and, and then as you're reading Scripture, think through, well, what is this telling me about the Spirit? What is this telling me about the Son? What is this telling me about the Father? I mean, 
Have you ever noticed <laughs> when we say God-like and when we say Christ-like, we mean two different things? Hmm. When we say, like nobody, oh, nobody says I need to be more God-like, but everyone says I need to be more Christ-like. Yeah. And, and it's not because we're confusing anything. It's because we have this sense, well, like rightly so God-like, we can never be like God. Yeah. But Christ walked the earth he was in situations like we're in. He's he's responded to people who were jerks. <laughs> yeah. And, and how can I be Christ-like in this situation, yeah. which has a different connotation than God-like? Like we begin to get this with the use of our words, lean into it and enjoy it even more, and enjoy um, the differences of this beautiful, uh, multi-level, multi-layer God that we worship. Mm. Um, I, I'm telling you, I, I talk to the Holy Spirit all the time. And and it's mostly because he's you know showing me where I'm I'm messing up. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Holy Spirit, for you know, thank you, Lord. And I just call him Lord. I mean, you know, but I but you know, he's right with us. He's indwelling us, and yeah. I'm like, I just want to honor you, and I just want to make sure I'm representing Jesus well. And anyway, uh, it, it's just yeah. interesting. Get to know all three members. Not not this nebulous God, but this concrete Father, concrete mm. Son, concrete Spirit, and watch God expand your grasp on who he is. Okay, that's one idea for a takeaway. Yeah, and in kind of in the same light as we, I mean, so much of what you just said was talking about the differences of the economy of, of the Trinity. I mean, we can relate to the, the to the Son more because of that specific economy. And so in that same way of being able to get to know each one of the Trinity a little bit better, what if we prayed to them a little bit differently? Huh. Because in the same regards of the economy of of, of who God is, they have each accomplished and done different things. And we don't need to lose sight of that. Like I brought it up earlier, and when it comes to redemption, God the Father planned redemption and sent His Son into the world. But God the Son obeyed the Father and accomplished it by laying down His life. Mm-hmm. And then God the yeah. Holy Spirit yeah. comes to the world after Jesus' engine to apply <clears throat> that redemption. Oftentimes, I think we only focus on one or maybe even two, but we've, we often forget or kind of thank the wrong member of the Godhead for something that they may or may not have economically mm. done. And so it's easy to say, Father, thank you for dying for my sin. Like, and I don't know if any of us have ever right. said that, but, and this can feel like it's kind of over-nuancing here, but I think it matters because it's God the Son who laid down His life in obedience to the Father. Now, the beauty of this is... God doesn't reject your prayer. <laughs> and that's what I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. is to preface our... Well, not to preface, but just to remind everyone, if you've made these prayers before, if you've given thanks to God, He didn't just roll His eyes like, gosh, another, God, another person who, <laughs> who thanked me in the wrong way. No, He absolutely cares, and He heard them, and He answered, and I guarantee He's, he's answered them. We've all done this. But I think one of the little beauties of getting to know the Trinity more is that we can start thanking God specifically for what each part of the Godhead has done. Mm. We can give thanks to the Father for being willing that despite all of our issues, He would still send the Son. That we can thank God for, despite all of our issues, still willing to lay down His life and going through all that for you and me. And then we can still, despite all of that stuff, Mm. all of our sins, all of our issues, still give thanks to the Holy Spirit 
for still dwelling in us each and every day and ask accordingly. Would, would you do this great work in me? Would you continue that? Mm-hmm. Would you build Would you bring this to the forefront of my heart, mind, soul, and strength? See, I think one of the beauties of getting to know the, the, the Trinity is we have a greater intimacy with the Lord because we know who we're talking to here. Yeah. Sometimes when it can seem... Again, we kind of can play games, and not intentionally, but with the Trinity, and we're just, we don't know what to do with it because it's, it can be so confusing. But when we look at it as here's his being and here's how he works, I think these simplify things in the way that we, one, can get to know him in Scripture, just as you were saying, but also pray to him as well. Mm. And I think one of the other beauties is, just as you were mentioning those three things, the Trinity is a great reminder of who God is, that He is relational, He is humble, He is love, despite all the times when that's really hard to believe. All the ebbs and flows, all the ups and downs, all the good, all the bad that goes through life, that we still serve a God are in relationship with a God who is relational, who is humble, who is in love. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to our students about this not too long ago. One of the things that I constantly see, just I'm telling you, break chains for students, mm-hmm. is reminding them that God He's a committed God to relationships, and he's still one who's humble, that he's willing to put up with you, and he's loving, cause he, and he's willing to put up with you, and he loves you through it all. He's not just like gritting his teeth, but he actually cares. He loves. This is who the Trinity is. This is who God is, and we see this all throughout Scripture and all throughout the Trinity. That's great. Well, Ben, thanks for uh, encouraging us here. Thanks for going to house church. Absolutely. And bringing this great question. And I hope this has been helpful. You know, it has been helpful for me to be reminded of that. And just what you said, relational, humble love, and then praying a little better and getting to know God, not just as God, but as Father, Holy Spirit, Son, Mm. and, and just a little bit more real and concrete. Thank you all for being a part of this uh, journey. We love to hear from you, and we love to answer questions that you have, and we love to put thought into it in advance so that it's more helpful on the way. If this has been helpful for you, send it to someone else that you are thinking of right now, and, um, and we will see you next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.